This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. We are not experts in any of the topics we discuss. Please enjoy accordingly. And as always, this episode will contain spoilers. I'm Sunny. And I'm Scooter. And welcome to SWAT People. You know, sometimes we like to get heavy on this show. Philosophical. You know, asking the big questions. And I have one for you. With that in mind. Sure. What is pain? French bread. That's right, baby. Today we're covering Remember the Titans. Can I follow up that question with a question of my own? Yes. What is fatigue? Army clothes. Uh, will you ever quit? <laughs> For those uh, listening at home, Sunny shook her head no. I love you too. What? Movie- no, I'm feeling silly even though um, this movie always makes me cry. This- and I'm not a crier. Usually you're the one moved to tears by movies, not me. It makes me happy that this movie makes you cry. Uh, for So I we haven't said it yet, but I'm sure you've seen from the episode title, we watched Remember the Titans. I have said it. Did, I when? said it. When? I said we're covering Remember the Titans today. No, I don't think so. I don't think you said that. I think you thought it. Um, you're going to really feel embarrassed whenever you edit this. We'll see. We'll see who's right when I listen back. And the person who has the power to cut out you saying that is going to be the one in charge. So, um, damn my refusal to learn editing software. So this ep- this episode is going to be interesting for a couple reasons. One, um, I believe this is our first mid month episode where we're not doing a TV show. Yeah, we're doing a movie. I believe we said on the podcast. I know we've talked about it on our own but i believe we said on the podcast that we reserved the right to make that mid-month episode anything it's just where we were going to stick tv shows when we covered them um you know because we're not able to watch a whole tv show every month usually especially you know we're gonna, busy people we're well not just that but like uh some shows especially ones we'd want to cover have many many episodes and probably just won't do it we'll probably do some more shows later that are either things we've already watched before and don't need to rewatch, or we will just cover you know a, a season of something but uh the other reason is that i think this is the first time since we've started this podcast that we're recording two episodes in one day oh my gosh yes so this morning we recorded um the december book episode which is Culty by Mariana Zapata. Yes. So. so this episode you're hearing basically on the normal schedule we have, where you're, we're recording this a little over a month in advance, mm-hmm. um, but we have a handful of episodes that are getting recorded way in advance that you're going to hear uh, next year, basically, at the start of next year, because we are uh, trying to get ahead of schedule before the holidays. Well, yeah, because we are doing the era of Living Moss and the way the the Final Crescent City book comes out, it's easier for us if we get ahead of things so that we can just edit those in those final months. Yeah, plus I think you and I both like to have a book to listen to, so while we wait for Crescent City, we're just jumping ahead to the ones we're going to cover after so that Mm -hmm. we have something we can listen along to. Um, Yeah, so November... We have what would they have already listened to? What did we do for the first for uh, the first episode? They you uh, for your first November episode would have been Uncle Buck. Oh yes, that was fun. And, now, and then now we've got 
Remember, Remember the, the Titans. Titans, and then the next episode will be a Court of Silver Flames. A good episode, a good episode, a good book, and a good episode. I think. Yeah, I think we had fun with that one. Um, Remains to see how this episode's going to go, since it's our second recording. And spoil, you know, peek behind the curtain, flashing our junk to you. Um, which, we stop with the flashing junk. We started this recording at midnight, so. Who you'll either get a very lethargic recording or a real squirrely one, so that remains to be seen. But I think November's going to be a month of straight bangers. I think it's going to be a little column A, a little column B, because I'm pretty tired, but I need to just do it now before the emotion of Remember the Titans has dissipated. Well, if if Sunny ends up lethargic, then I'll make up for it on the squirreliness, so... um. This That's is how it usually goes. Do do you think we have to recap this movie? Are there? Do you think anyone in the world has not seen Remember the Titans three hundred? There's got to be somebody. Just times? there. No, I don't think most people listen to it three hundred or watch it three hundred times. I think it's just a movie you and I both enjoy. Mm-hmm. There's a slate of Disney sports movies that I think. Um, are really good. You and I both enjoy this and Cool Runnings, and then you to a much, much lesser extent uh, the movie Miracle, which I love, and I think you uh, fall asleep halfway through every time. Yeah, I don't think I've ever completed it. I think I fall asleep within the first 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that movie's got a lot going for it, but it also has a lot that uh, it's not your your thing. Um. Yeah, I I struggle to be enthusiastic about hockey. We're going to do a whole hockey month next year. We are doing a whole hockey month, but we're doing a hockey romance novel, which is different. I, I don't have to actually care about hockey to read that. We're doing Goon, which is a comedy and very funny. And then we're doing Letterkenny or Shorzy. I can't remember. I think Letterkenny. Uh, I think we're going to do. Letterkenny is a show I like sure I liked Shorzy just fine but I think Letterkenny is a show that we both prefer more so we'll probably just do the latest season of that um but let's it's late this is going to be a squirrely one let's try and stay on topic as much as we can we watched Remember the Titans okay tell them just a general overview of what the movie's about uh the movie is about uh a school district after integration uh it's about a school district in Virginia that combines all three of their high schools into one integrated high school called T.C. Williams. And so they are the only school in their district that has an integrated football team uh, with, you know, it's not just all white. Uh, and there's a new assistant coach named Herman Boone. And uh, before the start of the year, they uh, change things up and make him the head coach. And you find out that that was as a stunt to try to get him fired. But he succeeded where they thought he'd fail and so it's set up to where if he loses any games he'll get fired so they have to win all of them and they do and so it's a story about the white and black players learning to get along together and in the process they become better men and better football players and uh go on a long winning streak and then uh, uh the captain of the team gary bertier uh linebacker gets hit by a car in an accident and gets paralyzed and then they sort of rally around him to go on to win the state championship. 
And that's basically, in a nutshell, that's all of it. We're going to get into probably some uh, specific stuff that we like. Uh, this is fair warning, which can be probably a fair amount of high school football talk from me in, in this movie. Because, uh, oh man, was this important to high school football players of my age. Yeah. It's, um, I'm not a sports movie fan, which is funny because this is this this morning we had a, a book about soccer players and so it's a sports day in the uh sunny and scooter household but Ooh. sorry that was a big yawn um but this one is i think it, it kind of transcends sports sports is the vehicle for the for the story but i think it's about being willing to be a team player with people who maybe you don't know and who, you know, society wants you to be afraid of. And I kind of really like, something I really like about this um, movie is that it doesn't really do the white savory thing that you see in a lot of a lot of movies like this. You know what I mean? Um, the white characters who, who are racist, um, but eventually turn out to be good guys, uh, have to unlearn their racism, basically. And, uh, that's kind of a, a good perspective, I think. Whereas a lot of this, the times whenever you have sort of stories about civil rights or black liberation or anything like that and you have good white characters they kind of occupy a white savior role so i didn't really i didn't know this episode was going to be as contentious as, as it's about to be i would agree that there are no white savior characters in this movie but i think you're being a too charitable about this movie's racial politics and that's fair <laughs> And B, I'm going to wholeheartedly disagree that this movie is not a football movie. I think the thing this movie does best is show what it's like to be on a high school football team. I mostly meant that in terms of um, you can enjoy it if you're not a football fan. I think you can, but I think it's sort of in the way that you said that the football is sort of the vehicle for it to discuss... Um, you know, social issues and uh, coming together to work as a team. I think it's the opposite, where I think they're using social issues and overcoming racism as a vehicle to be better at football. I think the movie is about racism and addressing it. Maybe. I think, I think I, that's the overarching thing. And, like, they all play better as a team because they're less racist. Well, they're the only team that has to deal with that. They only yes. play segregated. They only play all white schools. So, I th I think the movie is contending that the fact that they solved racism is the key to their success at football. Wait, wait, wait! I don't think they solved racism. They're on still, a, they're still. <laughs> no, on an inter, still not in on a civil rights Virginia. Not on a not a, on a societal level, but on an interpersonal level, they solved racism. I feel like no. They cured their own racism. <laughs> I think I think they Through made the steps in the right direction. 
they cured their own racism through the power of three-a-day practices. Except for Ray, but they got rid of him, so didn't have to worry about him anymore. I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one because I think I think uh, playing football with with people outside of your race is not like a... I don't think that's a cure-all for racism. You say that, but... You've never been on a football team. It, it cures it cures a lot of societal ills. I have not been on a football team. You gotta That's not true. You know what? I played flag football once. Well then I'm sure you know it's impossible. It's impossible to hate a man for who he is when you are in the trenches with him. In the trenches of flag football? Well, Sonny, whether it's flag football or full contact football, the game is won in the trenches. It's a game of inches, and it's a game of uh, you have to control the line of scrimmage. And, you know, you if you're a guard, you can't hate the tackle for his race because you have to double team so that one of you can get to the second level and clear out a lane with a linebacker. Otherwise, your play's not going to get past three yards. And if you're averaging less than three yards of play, especially on a run, then you're not going to get enough first downs. I don't know what you said later on, but early on, that was somewhat homoerotic. Football is extremely homoerotic. I know. Oh, my God. We were. What game were we watching the other day? You were listening, and I was sitting there reading my little football manual so that I can understand football better. It was uh, several weeks ago, and I was watching uh, UTSA versus Texas State, and I kept pausing and taking my headphones out to replay anytime they would say that they have to get good penetration and stuff like that. <laughs> Football is filthy. So, <laughs> I think the first thing we noticed, or maybe the first, I don't know, I guess I can't speak for you, but... Um, the first thing I notice every time I fire up this movie is how many lines from this movie are seared into my brain permanently. I notice how good the music is. The music in this movie is so fucking good. Good soundtrack and good score. The score is basically just one song that they have variations on, but it's quite good. And then, yeah, the soundtrack is solid. It's I feel like it's something that's been repeated a bunch like i feel like sports movies after this are kind of copying the remember the titan soundtrack but it is good stuff there's they've got like credence on here they've got the turtles yeah it's good it matches the time period and it's like it makes you feel something and that's kind of something that i i think about with music with art in general is does it make you feel something? And the music makes you feel what the movie is trying to get you to feel. Mm-hmm. It, it's well matched. I would agree. There are a lot of good lines, though. Yeah. I think you you have a lot of them seared into your brain because at the time that this was I don't know what year this came out, but I know... It came out in the year 2000. So it was only a few years old when you were playing, like, high school football. Kind of. It was... So I would have started playing high school football, like, five or six years after this came out. And it's less that and more just, like, you know... When this came out, I was nine. Um, 
and it is family friendly. We're gonna talk about that aspect of it a little later, but um, I think kids my age, this was something that was like on TV all the time. Like it had come out early enough in our life that like you saw this on TNT or TBS or HBO or whatever. Like it was on all the time, and so. We all knew it. And then once you started playing high school football, it became sort of like an in-joke of like... I said uh, a few times during the movie that the movie, I think, really is good at capturing what high school football players talk like. And I think that's true. But I also think from my experience we were kind of mimicking these guys. Yes. Like, we learned how to, like, when we try to be inspirational as a 15-year-old or whatever, you kind of just mimic Remember the Titan. <laughs> and there was a, there's a lot of ton, tongue-in-cheek stuff. I know our, uh, I'm going to try not to use names, but I, lots of stories, but uh, our running back was really fond of the Julius line of, I'm supposed to wear myself out for the team. What team? <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I saw this in high school. When do you think you saw it for the first time? I think college. Interesting. Well, I never sought out football movies. I was not... Um, I was a sports person, but it, I was not like a team sports person. I I was very specifically an equestrian sports person. We have we have to be careful about this because we had a whole conversation about this on our other episode. We don't want to overlap too much. Yeah, I don't want people to have like two two episodes in a short span of time that are just about us going off about sports. No, I, I mean my best friend played a sport competitively and actually went on to play in college, but um. I was not, I was not like a school athlete. I did stuff outside of it. Um, and not going to lie, I didn't really even go to that many of my best friend's games um, because I am too easily distracted and I'm not entirely certain how all of it worked. Your brain is not made to... Uh... Enjoy sports. Enjoy sports. No, it's <laughs> no. It like this is this movie is so synonymous with high school sports after this movie came out. In the sense of like, I don't know a person who played high school football that does not know every word to "Ain't No Mountain High." Yeah, it's it's a rite of passage to sing that as a team. <laughs> It's it's solid, like it's it's good. It, I love it. I, so I don't know the direction we should go on this. I, should I just babble about football nonstop, or what? What would you like to talk about? Well, let's go. I think we had a couple points that we did explicitly want to talk about. I think let's touch on the idea that this is a Disney movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so they can't use profanity. Um, okay, yeah. So they get real creative with the racism and it's horrible. Because they're not going to broach the topic of like systemic racism. 
they're very much taking on like overt racism, but it's I think PG or G. They can't use profanity, really. They can't use profanity, and they don't really use any slurs. They kind of do, in the sense that there's a few. They say "coon" a lot. Is that should we say that? I don't think we should say that, but um, they do use like they use some of the slurs that wouldn't get bleeped. I think if we're talking in in terms of quotes from the movie, mm-hmm. I think it's all right. So they use. Uh, because his name is Herman Boone, many people who are racist call him Coach Coon uh, because it rhymes. Uh, it, yeah, and racists are not clever people. Um, there's also, I think the ones that are particularly disturbing is there's a lot of animal terminology. Yeah, they compare they compare the black students to monkeys a lot. Yes, there's the, the coach from... Uh, uh, Gardner or uh, one of the rival schools who uh, calls uh, Coach Boone a monkey, and then Coach Boone responds by throwing him a banana, which I thought was an excellent comeback. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the fight in the hallway where one of the guys says, "Looks like you went to the zoo and made some new friends, Bertier." Oh. Yeah, the racism is just like it's. Like, just gross. It's gross in how... um, It's almost like the worst dude you went to high school with, whenever he was trying to be clever, that's how the racism is portrayed in this movie. Yes, it's... This is going to sound like an underwhelming comparison, because obviously racism is not, you know, uh, as lighthearted as this. But when you have that friend who doesn't like to say... Uh, like naughty words or blue words and so they use like anatomically correct language and it somehow sounds like really horrific when they're talking about like when they're just trying to tell a casual story and they say things like phallus or penis and vagina and stuff like that because they don't want to curse and it's like the fact that you're being like weirdly clinical about this kind of makes it creepier the fact that they're not using curse words means that they're being so weirdly creative about their racism yeah they're just like <laughs> like they put thought into this racism yes because somebody who was sitting down and writing the script had to go okay if i was a racist here's what i would say but now let me run this through the disney pg filter and what else can i say that's gonna get across in this exact so how one can of the i ones... be incredibly horrifying but not <laughs> but not upset uh the mpaa you know if we if you kind of have to talk about some of them because they're so shocking the one that always like makes me laugh isn't the right word just like shock it's like that shocked laugh that you do yes it's in like jesus christ did you just say that it's in the game against groverton where uh there's the defensive tackle who's like they say he's as mean as a copperhead snake and uh it's the first game after they come together as a team and uh they do their special warm-up where they have the rehearsed dance routine and on the very first play, the one kid on the Titans who's still racist purposely misses a block and Rev's wrist gets broken. And so when that copperhead snake defensive tackle 
hits Rev, he stands over him and he goes, Song's over, Sambo. Jesus right. Even now that I'm saying it, it's not funny, but you laugh because what the fuck? Yeah. Uh like it it is wild, like that they were managed to make it more jarringly racist than not that it is more racist than if the slurs had been used, but it is more jarring because, like, you're used to racists just hurling slurs. But, like, the fucking analogies are awful. It just, it's clear that, like, the people writing this at some point just sat down and say, okay, how many racist things can we say without getting in trouble? Because there's the scene where they all have to get to know each other, and then the actual racist player, Ray, in the movie, he's sitting with Petey, and he asks him a series of questions and goes, uh, so what's your daddy's name? Oh, wait, you do have a daddy, don't you? And Petey just goes, I have a father. His name is Eric. <laughs> and he goes, and what does he do for a living? Wait, he's got a job, right? And it's like, what the actual fuck? Yeah, it was just like, did you just go home and hang out with your grandparents for a little bit and come back and with just like a little notepad? Yeah, it's 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 almost like the people who made this movie basically like just went and found the oldest relatives they had and sat down and said, "Hey, I'm making a movie about black people. What are your feelings about that?" <laughs> <laughs> just just wrote, just wrote it down. Wrote down what they said. Oh, yeah. But it it does lend something to the movie if you're just going. Oh, I, I feel like I've never I've never seen a movie this like PG PG thirteen. What was it? It's PG, I think. Like, I've never seen a PG movie that so effectively made me disgusted by racists. Not that I don't have a baseline disgust with racism. It's just like it just oh that like that cringe. Jesus Christ. Oh, because I'm looking up to see what it was rated. Because I I had a susp- I thought it was maybe G and not PG, but I don't think it's PG. Um. It's definitely not G. I don't know why I would have thought that, but yeah, it's 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 PG, and it's uh, yeah. The <laughs> National Treasure Ryan Gosling. His first line in the movie is, "They're about to burn down that store because that colored kid got shot." <laughs> and it, hearing Brian Gosling as a little baby saying "colored kid" is shocking. It's jarring. It is. Ryan Gosling's pretty funny in this movie. He is. He is definitely playing an idiot. It's he's practicing for his role as Ken. <laughs> yeah, he was good in that. I obviously saw uh, a special place in my heart for Sunshine. Makes sense. You two do share a name. He. Uh, I looked. I looked him up. He's the only one that had a significant college football career. He at one point uh, he because he played for the University of South Carolina. And he was named Sports Illustrated's uh, Player of the Week when they upset their rival, North Carolina, in a game. And I looked up his stat line in college, and it's... uh, Granted, part of this is because it was the 70s, and they mostly just 
ran the football, didn't really throw the football. He had like less than 150 pass attempts in his senior year. And he threw, I think in his whole career, I think he threw like 12 touchdowns and like 20 something interceptions and was like a starting quarterback for a division one college. That's bananas. I know that that doesn't mean much to you, but like it was wild to see that. Is that low? I mean, it's low for touchdowns and high for the idea that you would stay a starter throwing more than twice as many interceptions as touchdowns. Yes, that would be ridiculous. Well, I don't know if if your touchdowns and interceptions are roughly the same nowadays, you would be cut from teams, not just benched. Well, I think you just got to run the split VR scooter. It's like Novocaine. Eventually, it works work. every time. <laughs> yeah, it's clear. It's clear that the lines are not burned into your memory because that was one that I repeated as they said it on screen. It says, "I run six plays, split veer. It's like Novocaine. Just give it time; it'll work." Yeah, clearly, I don't have this movie memorized. The uh, there's so many I can just pop off in my head. The uh, you you overcook my grits, coach, is <laughs> so good, it's so southern. I'm um gonna start saying that to you <laughs> the there's a couple lines said by like one or two actors who do not have like character names wait wait, wait. can i just start calling you coach <laughs> you can call me coach but uh there's there's these off that are my friends in high school were obsessed with this there's a couple of lines spoken by uh, characters in this movie who don't have like a character, they don't have a name, but they have some sort of offhand line that's really funny. So it's the one where uh, after Sunshine kisses Gary, because everyone's making fun of Sunshine for being a hippie from California, and Gary calls him a fruitcake. So to mess with him, Sunshine kisses him mm -hmm. and it causes everybody to freak out. And then it was so funny. It is very funny. But then one guy uh, just taps another guy on the chest and he goes, there's too much male bonding going on in here for me. I'm out. And leaves. <laughs> that guy's like not a character, but he gets that line and like right in front of camera. The other one is when Petey confronts Sunshine about this and he's basically trying to ask him, are you actually gay or were you just messing with Gary? Because he, they're roommates. Yes. <laughs> but he doesn't want to say it out loud so Sunshine... But Sunshine's just like, what are you talking about, Petey? And Petey's like, it's not that I care. You know, it doesn't bother me. But, you know, I got to know. And he goes, if it doesn't bother you, then why do you got to know? And Petey's like, because I got to know. And then so the guy sitting next to Sunshine just leans over into the center camera and goes, looks like Coach has been leaving Petey out in the sun too long. And it's like... <laughs> Why did that guy get a line? Why did why is it that? And then my favorite is after <laughs> Rev gets hurt, uh, Sunshine has to come in on his very first play. He uh, has the offensive line let that defensive tackle through. Oh, I like this one too. And then he basically anticipates the tackle and bends down and takes the guy's legs out from under him. And it's like a great moment, and everyone's sort of celebrated. And then some rando walks up and he goes, "Ooh, that's a bad white boy." <laughs> And those lines are they're so anonymous, but they're also so front and center. We were obsessed with them. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I think we got to talk about the part that makes me cry every time. Gary? Yeah, when Gary gets hit by the car the first time around. Because this movie does end with Gary's funeral. And uh, bad news about what killed Gary. But um, it's a, a, a second car has hit the Gary Bertier. But it's the meme where they're leaning down to tell George Bush while he's reading the Hungry Hungry Caterpillar or whatever it is. But yeah. <laughs> a second car has hit Gary Bertier. Jesus Christ. So, so ten, he, 10 years apart, almost to the day. We shouldn't be cracking these jokes. This man was a real man. He was a real man. He apparently actually did become a Paralympian after uh, his accident. And then, uh, yeah, was very he, invested in civil rights. Uh, he was. He was um, hit by a uh, drunk driver 10 years later and killed. May he rest in peace. Um, he rest in peace. There's, it's very difficult to get information about the real life people. Yeah, they, it's, it has been very much replaced by this story. And so, for instance, in nineteen, this this took place in 1971. In 1979, Herman Boone was fired, supposedly for claims of like he was, it was allegations of physical and. Uh, verbal abuse of players well you did tell me that one of the drills he made them run is now illegal yes but that was like that became illegal like when i was in high school so oh that is not something that he would have been fired for in 1979 that's fair but that that drill is called bull in the ring you have a guy stand in the middle and then everyone else is in a circle and the coaches walk around and they tap them and so someone's going to come at you and hit you and you don't know the direction they're coming from. That's illegal now. Um, but the only like actual source of it was like a Washington Post article from 1979 that's like uh, three coaches came forward and said that they would leave if Boone wasn't fired and like multiple players have complained about him being an asshole basically. Uh, so they fired him, but like they asked most of the other people and they were like, I think they just wanted to fire him and they just took this opportunity to do it. Also, like my dad played football in the seventies, like he got fired for doing stuff that every football coach was doing. And he was just black. Hmm. And I think that that was still probably a factor. And like, I don't know if I've told you stuff like my dad has told me about his high school football days, right? No. They used to chlorinate the water at practice to discourage you from drinking. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was not good. <laughs> it was bad. Oh. I uh, granted that that was in the seventies, like that was not. Yeah. Uh but yeah, no, like it's post this movie coming out, people mostly really only had good things to say about everybody and the real life people. So mm -hmm. who knows what was washed away in the sands of time, but you know, the story of Remember the Titans as it has told seems to have been upheld somewhat by uh, the real people. That's pretty nice. I don't really want to look into them more because I'll be sad if they turn out to be terrible people at some point. 
It's I couldn't find any evidence that any of them turned out to be genuinely terrible. Uh, I did see that uh, Herman Boone, Bill Yost, and Petey all died in the same year. Mm. In 2019. Uh, I like Petey. I believe Ronnie Bass is still alive. My, most of them are still alive, I would think. Yeah, the 70s was not that long ago. Except for Gary Bertier, he got 9-11 by a second car. Jesus Christ, Scooter! What the fuck? Al-Qaeda got Gary. Scooter, he was a real person. Sorry. All my respect to Gary Bertier's surviving family. Oh my god. I'm so sorry for my husband. We kind of joked about this in the um in the funeral scene. They other than obviously Hayden Panettiere was a child when this movie came out, so they had to cast an adult actress to play her at the funeral. But otherwise they didn't age anyone, they didn't up. Age anyone up except <laughs> they gave Julius a mustache. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Yep, that's it. The mustache. The cast in this movie is great. Obviously, Denzel is the greatest actor of our lifetime. He's the greatest actor living today. Uh, Will Patton, who plays Yost, is great. Uh, the team has a bunch of of pretty great, pretty good actors. Yeah, I, like Ethan Suppley and Ryan Gosling. Obviously, went on to have really great careers. Um, Wait, which one's Ethan Suppley? He's uh, Louis Elastic, the big guy. Oh, yeah. He's got a podcast now, too. We're just like him. Uh, yes, <laughs> we are just like Ethan Supley. Uh, Wood Harris and uh, Ryan Hurst. Ethan Supley is jacked now. I don't know if you've seen him lately. Yeah, he's like a fitness guy now. Uh, Ryan Hurst and Wood Harris are guys that, like, anytime they pop up on something, it's... Uh, so excited. Obviously, I think other than Remember the Titans, probably more so than Remember the Titans, Wood Harris is known for playing Avon in The Wire. And then... I've never seen The Wire. You wouldn't like it. Yeah, I know. You were watching it at one point and I fell asleep in the only episode that I had seen about like 10 minutes in, so... Isn't it about cops? It is. Yeah, I'm definitely not watching that. I feel like it was one of those things that, like, at the time was like, this is the greatest show on television, and I feel like nobody talks about it anymore. People still talk about how great, like, The Sopranos is, and I feel like The Wire didn't last. Obviously, Hayden Panettiere uh, rules. She plays the most southern child. Such a tomboy. Like, she's just, she is the epitome of, like, there is this specific breed of southern little girl, and I was this breed of little girl. It is the feral daughter <laughs> that is Hayden Panettiere's character oh my god I forgot that she was married to Vladimir Klitschko who's that Vladimir Klitschko <laughs> I'll show you Vladimir Klitschko he he and his brother were like I think they're uh, heavyweight boxers and I think at one point they both between the two of them held all of the titles at the same time his, uh, do you want to know what his nickname was? What? Dr. Steelhammer. Did he get that in porn? He's a boxer. 
That doesn't mean you can't have a porn career. You can do what you want, babies. Do what you want. Honey, he's six foot six. And he punches people for a living. None of this is discouraging me from believing he could have a porn career. I'm sure that he probably could have. I <laughs> doubt he could do it now because he's. But he. He's so... I don't think Hayden Panettiere would allow that. Oh, they're not married. They're not married anymore. But um, he also uh, he's they're Ukrainian and they when Russia invaded Ukraine, they both uh, went and fought with the militias. Jesus. I'm going to show you a picture of Vladimir Klitschko with his shirt off. While we watch this movie, I groomed our tiniest dog because we're going to take him to a corn maze tomorrow. And I don't want his very fluffy paws to get stuck up with sticker burrs. And so he's kind of upset with me. Um, he was fine during the process and then afterwards just decided to cop an attitude um, because he's mercurial. Anyways, um, he's finally forgiven me, and he's now napping in my general presence. Jesus Christ. It's Vladimir Klitschko. Is that uh, like a 16-pack? Uh, that man is a slab of beef. Yeah, wait, turn it back. I want to see again. Jesus Christ. He doesn't even have like the um, like the V shape, you see, because he's so muscular that he's a square. He's just a slab of beef he looks like uncut so here he is uh he's like a muscular pop tart oh i want a pop tart here he is uh no <laughs> noticeably larger than arnold schwarzenegger jesus christ yeah slab of beef anyway hayden panettiere she's great not southern but Mostly plays. Uh, she just play a lot of southern characters, doesn't she? Because in um, Heroes, she plays a a Texas cheerleader. Yeah, and she she was on the show Nashville for like six years. Where's she actually from? Uh, she was born in New York. She was that also... is bananas. Hmm. He was the voice of Kyrie in the first two and the best uh, Kingdom Hearts games. Uh, she's apparently a spokesperson for the Ronald McDonald House. Uh, she tried to disrupt the annual dolphin hunt in Japan. We're just looking at her Wikipedia page now. She works with Greenpeace. Uh, all she... Uh, this is great. So she's against whaling, but she's defended Aboriginal practices of whaling because it's a difference between commercial whaling and whaling practiced by Aboriginal tribes in the U.S. I think that's very uh, appropriate of her. Uh, she supports statehood for Washington, D.C. She's a teen ambassador for teen pregnancy to prevent teen pregnancy, I guess. She's not just showing up being like, she probably get pregnant. He seems like a genuinely good person. Yeah, he does. Well, she was great. Um, She's great in Scream 4. That might be, if I make you watch a Scream movie, it might be Scream 4. Because it's really good. And Aiden Pantier's great. She's good in this movie. She plays the most southern child ever. Uh, I love her delivery of the line, bunch of old rednecks. 
so good. She's, she's very funny. It's a genuinely good. All of the child act, both, I say both, there's really only two. Both of the child actor performances in this movie are phenomenal. And anytime they're on screen together, it is so good. There's a bit where they're watching a game and Hayden Pantier is pacing, standing on the bleachers, pacing back and forth, screaming and pulling at her hair. And Nikki, who is Coach Boone's daughter, uh, pulls on her mother's sleeve and says, Mama, are all white girls that crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nikki's great. There's the bit where uh, Boone brings Nikki over to Yost's house. And uh, he goes in to meet with Yost. And so Nikki and Cheryl are just in the driveway. And Nikki's like, what you doing? And Cheryl goes, I'm shooting some hoops. You want to play? And then throws the basketball at her, and Cheryl just matrix dodges the basketball, <laughs> and then holds up her hands. And goes, I just did my nails. Uh no. The uh, my favorite bit of theirs is uh, Cheryl is over at the Boone's house. Yeah, and <laughs> and. She's like talking to Boone about football plays and all that. And uh, he's like, why don't you go play with Cheryl? Go play or or go play with Nikki. Go play with the dolls. And Nikki pipes up and she goes, I'm not playing with dolls. I'm accessorizing. Uh, The best part (laughs) is that's following an argument where he's watching film and she's sitting with him and saying that they're reacting too slow on the pass. And he goes, well, the Vera is a run. It's a run. It's not a pass. We, you know, I don't have to worry about the pass. We're just, and they're just arguing. And the, the wife comes by and goes, don't you want to play with Nikki? <laughs> yeah, why don't you go play with the dolls? I'm not it's playing. It's the most exasperated scene in the movie, and I love it. It is really great. The uh, I think Nikki is underrated as a character. She might be my favorite character. He's pretty great. Um, what else? What are we? Are we we've talked. Have we talked about Petey enough? Petey's great, played by uh, Donald Faison, who most people would probably know from Scrubs. Uh, yeah, it was good. His the um the scene where he meets Coach Boone for the very first time, and he's all excited and smiling, and Coach Boone's like, "Why are you smiling?" Is it because football is fun? So he goes, well, football is fun. Are you sure about that? And they have this back and forth where he convinces Petey that football is no longer fun. <laughs> it's extre- It's very funny. And uh, that is now a meme. And anytime a team just gets like really wrecked, they play. Someone will have like a TikTok of that scene with uh, Petey representing the team that got destroyed so recently. uh the University of Colorado has been having sort of a resurgence with their new coach, Deion Sanders, and uh, and then they played uh, Oregon, and they got beat 42-6. to six. And so that meme was going around where uh, Coach Boone was Oregon and Colorado was Petey. I was like, football's not fun anymore, is it? <laughs> uh, no, sir. No fun, sir. Zero fun. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, I think... This movie, like Coach Boone, Denzel Washington, has some of the best lines for like an angry football coach. He's so good at it. It's so good. And like the funniest one, because we told one of our group chats that we were watching this 
tonight because some of the people in there do like football. Um, and uh, you drop the meme of this of this conversation in there because it's so fucking funny. But when they first go off to like their summer training camp, um, Bartier goes up and he's he's trying to strike a hard bargain of these are the numbers of people like who have to play and you know trying to tell him how how he has to run the team. Yeah, he sa- he says uh, if you want any of us to play for you, you reserve half the positions for white players, half the offense, half the special teams. Don't need any of your people on defense. We're good. And yeah, and <laughs> the way he corrects him is. <laughs> But basically, we're f- making him call him his daddy. No, I, I can basically do the whole scene. He goes, so what was, what was your name? Your name is Jerry? And he goes, Gary. He goes, no, I think you said Jerry, like Lewis, which would make you, and then he points to right, which would make you Dean Martin. And then he stops everybody as they're getting on the bus and addresses all of the parents. And he goes, everybody have a very exciting announcement to make. Uh, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin will be joining us at camp this year. Jerry tells the jokes, Dean sings the songs, and gets the girls. And then he gets up in Gary's face and he goes, you fa- your family here, Gary? And he points, he goes, that's my mom. He goes, oh, that's nice. And he, like, waves at her. And it's, like, very, it's very, like, Denzel Washington slick and smooth how he just smiles at her. And he's so intimidating Gary, but is making it look like he's having a pleasant conversation. And he goes, take a look at her. Take a look at your mama. Because once you get on that bus, you don't got no mama no more. You got your brothers on the team, and you got your daddy. Now you know who your daddy is, Gary, don't you? Who's your daddy, Gary? Gary, who's your daddy? Gary, if you want to play for me, you will tell me who is your daddy. And he's and so Gary's just like, you are. He goes, now is this your team, or is this your daddy's team? <laughs> it's so good. He's so immediately takes that all the power away from him my favorite like coach moment which is like god this is perfect football coach thing is once they turn things around in the championship game and everyone's working together really well it's up around the bend by credence clarotta vavo kicks in and every it's like everybody having a montage of doing great stuff but every time they cut to coach boone in the montage he's standing next to the ref complaining about one guy that keeps lining up off sides <laughs> and he's like he's lying, he's offsides ref you can see him he's offside and it culminates in you see it like with the ref and you just see half of Denzel behind him pointing and swinging his arms going offsides he is lining up offsides <laughs> and like <laughs> that's all that's you see that multiple times in the montage of the team turning things around is him just screaming at the ref about one guy being offsides. <laughs> You brought this up in the moment of the training camp where he's on the ground and they're doing well, yeah. what what kind of exercise are they doing? Are they doing up downs? They're doing up downs and uh find an up down for somebody who has never done one or never so seen one. There are different versions of it. Some people call them like burpees, which is a slower version where you go through like various stances. But in football the up downs we would do, you basically have what's called hot feet where you, you chop your feet like run in place and then every time they blow the whistle you have to drop down to your stomach and then pop back up and so he's doing that and while they're doing this coach boone is just laying on his stomach right next to one guy and he's just whispering at him in between whistle blows <laughs> and he's just going you're tired you're hungry 
you're thirsty. It's fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter. And you're just saying that over and over again every time they blow the whistle. It's fourth quarter, fourth quarter. And it's like I have had that moment so many times. We had – I tried doing this to you at the gym, and you uh, got very close to physically attacking me for it. Uh, whenever we I would don't do, take that shit. Anyway, our, our, so whenever we would do abs uh, – especially during summer workouts, our offensive line coach would come by and he would take both hands and he would just like gently karate chop your tummy to make it tickle a little bit and it would make your abs tense up while you had to finish your exercise. Oh, yes. I remember this fight too because I yeah. you did that to me and I said, don't you fucking dare. It, you were engages- like, it makes it more effective. And I said, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I was so pissed. It's such an accurate high school football moment where, like, (laughs) there are 50 of you doing this drill, but your coach, for whatever reason, just picked you that day, and he's just standing there, and he's just saying weird shit at you. And you have to focus on the drill, because if you break concentration, like, you're going to have to run or something. And so you're just trying to do this drill, and he's just in your ear just like, are you going to keep up today? Are you, gonna, are you gonna are you gonna play hard? So with our offensive line coach, he was obsessed with uh, us getting physical. I'm about to tell a bunch of stories about him. So we, uh, oh this, okay. During our summer two day workouts, I still have PTSD from this. He um, does, he does. Once this song came on in a restaurant, and he walked away from the table so after turning white. We had, you know, we had like a a CD player in the locker room and we could listen to music and stuff, try to get ourselves pumped up. And, uh, our offensive line coach was, I guess, very annoyed with how we were performing. And, uh, so he made a mix CD that was just like 20, it was like 20 tracks, but every single track on the CD was just physical by Olivia Newton, John. And we were not allowed to listen to any other music until he was satisfied that the offensive line was playing physically enough. So, Every morning and every evening before two-a-day practices, we would get into the locker room and we'd have to listen to Let's Get Physical by Living Newton-John on repeat. And to, we were like, at a, rest, we were at a restaurant. We were at a restaurant. shit. We were at a restaurant like a couple months ago and Let's Get Physical came on overhead. And I no, said, no, no, no. His face went white. And he was I like, can't. I can't be here for this. And gets up and walks away to go to the bathroom. I got queasy. I was like, I have to go to the bathroom and sit down because I might throw up. The song keeps playing. And it's to the point where I can't hear that song regularly in my brain. When I hear it, it sounds distorted as if like a CD is being worn out and like a robot is dying in the middle of singing it. Um, some other. I realize we're laughing through this, and it, this is something that could legitimately be a traumatic thing. It's more funny than anything. It's not like I have any particular love for that song anyway. Um, <laughs> my, is, he did he did use torture methods on his high school football team. Yeah, it's funny though. Um, my favorite uh, O line coach moment. Uh, frequent quote was he would explain to us that uh, when women would go out in the evening they would fill their purses with coins in case they needed to use them for self-defense and he explained this to us so that whenever we uh, didn't hit somebody hard enough he would say if you're going to hit them with your purse you might as well fill it with some coins first 
and this eventually just became sexist. This eventually just became very. basically just became shorthand for if someone needed to play more physically, anyone, and this spread through the whole team would just shout, "Put some coins in your purse," and that that meant hit harder. Um, I once I once told a story about when I was in eighth grade and I had to have surgery to correct ingrown toenails. And uh, he said that I was uh, a baby for doing that because he once had ingrown toenails and he carved them out with a pocket knife himself. So, um, I think maybe our PSA corner this this episode's going to have to be about toxic masculinity. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I have fond memories of this. There were some problems uh, in high school football and some things that I would warn people about, but I think this was mostly like was mostly funny there there are way worse things that happen and i think these were genuinely like creative and weird things that our coaches would do uh, our saturday morning meetings you'd split up by group and the running backs and uh, offensive line rows together and our offensive line coach and our running backs coach were very different people i wish i could use their names because our running backs coach had a very funny name but um he would frequently uh, fall asleep during these meetings and then would wake up and not have any notes to give and so like we would go through a play and uh uh our line coach would be giving us notes like here you did this wrong you did this wrong you need to do this better or whatever and then he'd be like uh running back coach do you have uh you have any notes for this and the running back coach would wake up look at what play we were looking at pull up a piece of paper and go now running backs did perfectly on this play and then go back to sleep (laughs) He one time we had our team, our high school team was given tickets by a local arena football team, and not even professional arena football team. It was like minor league arena football to go uh, do the coin toss for the game. And me and my best friend from high school, who was on the O line, we talked about him uh, in another episode. Uh, we went with the running backs coach. I don't know why it was the three of us that were chosen, but we were, and. Uh, they didn't like give us they let us into the game and they said we were gonna have like a like a box to send in or something and they just kind of left us to our own devices and never told us where we were supposed to sit so we just wandered until we found like an empty like box seats up at the top of the stadium and went and sat in there even though i don't think we're supposed to and then we went and like we went and did the coin toss and I, someone i guess misinformed them and they introduced this running backs coach as our head coach and uh how he led our team to a playoff appearance in the last year and he did not correct them he just got up and made a speech as if he was our head coach <laughs> and took all the credit for it <laughs> and then uh, speaking of sexism while we were we crossed paths with the tunnel not as the team was coming out but as the cheerleaders were coming out and he was just like oh minor league arena football cheerleaders and he shook his head as they were walking by what the fuck dude they just, they, i guess they just didn't get grade a talent for that i guess but so misogynistic oh my god oh my god <laughs> I enjoy these stories even though they horrify me every time. It I hate to say this, but it built character. 
<laughs> you having a Hank Hill moment? Kind of, yeah. There, like you and I have talked about this. I think there's. I don't often agree with older generations, but there is something to uh, a little bit of uh, designed adversity. Yeah, designed adversity where you're safe. That's, I think, the trick. We we were. I never felt unsafe playing football, and I realized that that was not the case for many people who play football, but. These stories are funny because I never felt like any of my coaches did not have my best interest at heart, nor did I ever feel like any of my coaches uh, would rather I get hurt than stay healthy. Yeah. I didn't spend much time with the football crowd uh, in high school. Not surprised by that. I was busy smoking clove cigarettes and hiding out during pep rallies that were technically mandatory. You were a debate kid that smoked clove cigarettes. I would have hated you in high school. I love you now so much. And I can see where you came from to go from there to here. But I'm glad we didn't meet in high school because I think you probably would have hated me too. Oh, yeah. No, we wouldn't have gotten along. Um... I, in high school, had not yet learned that the F slur was not something I should say 20 times a day. Oh, yeah. I would have hated you. Um... No, but to be fair, like, who I am now probably would not like the teenage girl I was. I would have hated me in high school. Like, me now would have hated me in high school. I think that's a good thing. Probably. Uh, growth is important in our lives. Uh, and it's good to go. Maybe I'm not the same person I was when I was 16. Yeah. It'd be weird if you were. No, I sometimes think about how much we have changed as individuals since we first met. You used to be a semi-professional dirt track driver. Okay, so so that joke that he has just made. One of the first times he met my mother, he said that to her as though it were true that I used to be a semi-professional dirt track racer. Until the accident ended my career. And my mother, who has just met my my new boyfriend, looks nope. at me and goes... This is nope. before we were dating. I was just visiting as a friend and she came down. Oh. I remember because you were dating someone else at the time. And despite you telling the story, afterwards, he made some backhanded comments about you about how you should date someone like me instead. Yeah, it's it was funny because the person I was dating prior to this is not someone I really want to talk about, but he was not great, and um, my mother hated him. So when I started dating Scooter, that first Christmas, she bought him an Xbox. Your mom's great at giving gifts. Oh, yeah, my mother gives gifts nobody buys gifts like mama buys gifts she gives she's given me an xbox she bought me a power drill one year i love that power drill my life changed when i got a power drill i feel like i became i i became a man at like 30 when i got a power drill for christmas (laughs) you do use that power drill a lot i use it for stuff i probably shouldn't use a power drill for (laughs) i gotta take like a screw out of a remote power drill (laughs) You love that thing. No, but she does. She gives she gives really good gifts. Uh I don't I'm not somebody who 
uses a lot of luxury goods. I'm not, I tend to be a little pragmatic in what I purchase and things like that for the most part. Um, but my weakness is designer handbags. I love designer handbags and, um, I can't really buy them. Like we, we don't make, we don't make designer bag money. Uh, but my mother does and mama gets me one every couple of years. That's just, and it's always perfect. It's perfect. Like she got me one bag for, for work that it's the most professional looking bag. It's so good. Anyways, now mama buys the best gifts, but she loves. Oh, shit. She loves scooters so much. You used my Christian name on this podcast. You doxed me. You bitch. You can you, edit it out. You doxed me. You bitch. I, you know, I can't edit that. Well, <laughs> I can only edit stuff to make you sound bad or take away times where you were right and I was wrong. I can't undox myself. That's against the rules. I'm I'm officially doxed. You all know that my name is Antonio Banderas Jr. Surprise. I'm famous. (laughs) The fuck, dude? Do you think Antonio Banderas named his son Puss in Diapers? Because he's the voice of Puss in Boots. Anyways, my mama loves Scooter just a ton. Uh, he really had a low bar to clear, and he exceeded it very quickly in her eyes. I had a low bar to clear, but I'd like to think that I cleared it with uh, some room to spare. I would have cleared a higher bar, too. You would have. But I think she hated the one that came before you so much that she just, she was like, thank God. Ever since you talked about designer handbags, I have that TikTok song in my head of the, give me Prada, Balenciaga. Yeah. That's usually just going through my head 24 hours a day. I'm constantly thinking about what if Wolverine was in the Lord of the Rings. Are you really? Sometimes, a lot of times, yeah. <laughs> I had this discussion with another friend of ours that oh, we don't really, I don't, we've grown apart since then, but we've talked about Wolverine in various other fictional universes and whether or not in those universes he would be able to have uh, metal put onto his skeleton so he'd have the metal claws and not just the bone claws and... So we discussed the idea of, like, if he was in Game of Thrones, would he have, like, a Valyrian steel skeleton? Oh. Valid question. Not really. It's mostly real dork-ass shit, but... It is. (laughs) Thank you for saying such kind things about me. (laughs) I do love you. Uh, Do we have anything to add? We still got to do PSA Corner, but no, I think that's it. I had one, and now I've forgotten it. Toxic Masculinity? Yeah, I can't remember. Do it. I, it's probably a good enough time to remind people to not swim around dolphins. I think it's been a month since we discussed that. So We record these so out of order that I don't know. That was in the Meg episode, which would have been the first episode of October. Just, it probably would have just come out uh, a couple 
couple days ago at the time of recording at the time you're listening to this it would have been a month and a half but don't swim around dolphins uh let's see what other is there with football related uh what's a football related psa Mm, i don't know enough about football to give you that don't let don't let young young kids play football i'm gonna say that as a former football player if your kid is in high school and decides that they would like to okay i think a high school age kid is old enough to uh consent to that but it can be so dangerous i think as a little kid maybe flag football is fine but you know it's just i don't know it's weird with sports i don't know what i would do if i had if i had kids i feel like sports are just so dangerous and but i also love sports and it was such a huge part of who I was growing up, but I also realized I was very lucky. Like I, to this day, still have injuries and ailments that are sports related, but like. Same. It could have been a lot worse. I could have had a much worse time. Yeah. I think, um, if we had children, which, uh, we do not and will not, um, got the old snip snip. I got a vasectomy. Yeah. Uh, Finish your thought, and then I have I have something to say about that. He got it. He got it scheduled the day, the day Roe v. Wade was overturned. He immediately called for an appointment. Oh, I talked to my I talked to my insurance. I called my insurance to see if it was covered too, and she offhandedly was like, "You're getting a lot of those calls today." Poor woman, because like she had just learned some devastating news, and then everybody called for a vasectomy. <laughs> yeah, what were you gonna say about we don't have kids, but if we did? Oh, I think I would be okay with them doing sports, but um, I would prefer not to do the full contact sports, and that's really unfair because, as we mentioned in the episode we recorded this morning, um, equestrian sports injuries and football sports injuries are pretty on par mm-hmm. especially um at like high school levels and stuff uh so i don't know that i would stop any child of mine if they wanted to do equestrian sports but i would have reservations about the meeting in football for a few reasons one of them is the injuries and the other is that i think the culture of football you and i have talked about this a little bit but Football is still very much a, a bastion for, and it it is changing. It is getting better, like all aspects of life. But I think football is still, in many many places, a bastion for the kind of people who do not want to have uh, lines of thinking that have advanced much beyond the nineteen fifties. Yeah, well, it's still we are not Christian. It's still a very Christian centric sport. And it, um, you and I have talked about this is like, if you are very good at football, you are encouraged to be violent. It's one of the few places where you are encouraged to be violent. And if you are good at it, you kind of are unchecked in that violence and it translates out to other aspects of your life. And my boss recently told told me that scooter and i would have strong babies um and making these d1 athletes i i don't want a child that like you know i gotta worry about being really good at football and a rage machine 
I feel like we would be do good jobs as parents explaining appropriate times to use uh, violence and aggression, but no. I would hope so, but there's a reason we're not parents, and it's probably because we shouldn't be parents. So the thing I was going to say about my vasectomy, when I went in and met the urologist for the first time, you know, we had to... I had to poke around and look at I've told a lot of my friends this, but you know, I, I, I really want to get this out in the public because it was a really great day for me. Um, you know, he took he went and took a peek, he had a feel around. And then he also had it was uh uh the hospital we go to is a teaching hospital and so he there was Make sure you don't have identifying locations in this. Okay. That's all I was gonna say. Um there was people with him, there was uh, you know, other doctors, residents, people in training and uh uh it's. I'm gonna cut this part out, but this was sort of the. Uh, it was like a few men and then one lady, and then as they were leaving and like taking, like she like kind of stopped for a minute and she like thanked me for uh, letting so many people have a look, and um, they all told me, you know, she she said, you know, thank me, for, thank you for letting me see it. I haven't, see, I've never seen a scrotum that good before. You fucking hate this joke. <laughs> Um, and then when I went back, you know, the actual doctor, the surgeon who performed it, he said, oh, I forgot how phenomenal your scrotum is, you know, but now that I'm seeing it again, it's a, he put on my discharge forms for my vasectomy that I had a grade A scrot. Scooter told me this as I was driving him home from his vasectomy. Um, well, yeah, obviously I would, I tell you, you know, I would have told you if it went badly or when, you know. I told you all, I tell you everything that happens in my day. So that was the thing you wanted to tell us on this podcast? That a doctor confirmed that my scrot is grade A? No, but you said, I want to expound on, you know, the vasectomy later. This was what you intended to come back to? Yeah, the world should know about my scrot and how excellent and magnificent it is. I, I was- thought you were going to tell them about the Taylor Swift. No, I was, I, we can do that too, but I like... The Taylor Swift part's actually true. Hold on a second. Well, no, well, hold on a second. Regardless of what, and I'm never going to confirm or deny what is or isn't true, I'm tell you this part of the story is absolutely true. A bunch of doctors looked at my scrot, and afterwards one of them thanked me for letting them look at my scrot. And that is a true story. And no matter what else you want to believe, no matter what else you think I might be making up, I will tell you 100% for a fact, someone thanked me for showing them my scrot. And I think because I was told, it's because the scrot is grade A. So the other thing was during my, I got my, um, vasectomy done on the day that the most recent Taylor Swift album came out. And so the doctor came in and was like, you know, I got numbed. I was ready to go. I was like, already ready to go. And I was like, yeah. He goes, the new Taylor Swift album came out. Do you mind if we listen to that while we... And I was like, no, go ahead. Because, you know, they normally have like music on and stuff. And so while they're doing my my secchi, they're, um, they're just chatting Taylor Swift. Apparently, um, my doctor's sister, who was also a urologist, um, has the same birthday as Taylor Swift, and uh, they're talking about you know razzing each other and stuff. We listened to the new Taylor Swift album. They talked about this one doctor they knew, and I think <laughs> charges like fifty grand for um 
und- reversing vasectomies and stuff, and they kind of implied that he's maybe not worth the 50 grand. He had this, he's like, oh, we have the best reputation at it or something like that. And he was like, yeah, but like, he's not going to tell you that you just, it's like a 50% chance of success, but he's going to charge you the 50,000. It was a whole thing. <laughs> Jesus. Did I say the location there? That one? Yes, you did. All right, son of a bitch. Fuck me. I guess I didn't say where we live. Well, now you've indicated it. I'll cut this part out. Okay. We'll edit around that. The important thing is, here's the important thing. I have a grade A scrote, and the doctor confirmed it. And that's what we everyone needs to know. I'm so excited that the public knows. Now, I can't wait for this to go viral and for me to get the recognition I deserve. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Did we do a PSA? Did we? Because you said something about it. And yeah, you said don't swim with dolphins. We can't do that one again. We actually have to have a PSA. Oh, I don't know. Oh, we did do one because I said don't be careful letting kids who are really young play football. I think I have a real point to expand on because you talked about a, a difference in feeling between equestrian sports and football. And I think the culture is a big reason why. But I think the other thing is that accidents and injuries can happen in any sport and accidents and injuries can happen just walking down the street or getting in a car i think the difference is with football you're going to experience um repeated impact and potential uh head trauma and wear and tear on your body from a success of the sport you get hurt in equestrian sports uh, yeah, when you fuck when you, up. When you fall and when you fuck up. And, like, certainly if you do any sport long enough, especially a question of sports, you're going to get hurt. You're not you're, you're not going to get on a horse and never, ever fall off. But, you know, it's it's the same kind of risk you take every day going out into the world. Um, the football, you just kind of, like, when you're succeeding at it, you're, you're still exposing yourself to that kind of damage. Yeah. I would agree with that. It's funny to me because I think um, for equestrian sports where it's different is we accept that the injury is the cost of doing business. Like it it is inevitable. I remember uh, kind of disclosure here. Scooter and I used to work at a barn that had a riding school uh, kind of as a side hustle thing. And we got a new border in and, because we took care of all the horses, uh, we we got to know the different borders and because, you know, different people have different things for their horses. And this woman had just bought a horse that was very unsuitable for her. It's very common with beginners who just get into horses um, if you don't take lessons first and kind of get an established relationship with a trainer, it can be hard to pick a, a horse that's appropriate for you. So she just bought this horse that she thought was pretty and decided she was just going to run with it. And um, so she started taking lessons on a horse that uh, was poorly trained. And she just told us, Oh, I'm just not going to fall. Uh, That horse dumped her like four times before she uh, gave up. But uh, yeah. 
I, I just remember that because she said that and everybody who heard her was just stunned because we're like, everybody falls. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't ride for any period of time and not fall. I guess mm-hmm. you've never fallen off. Yeah, I have ridden very little and I have not really ever done anything particularly risky. Yeah, I taught I, my your lessons, huh? I learned the very basics of riding. Yeah, you can walk and trot. Um, you can even post a little. I can. You're actually you're pretty good for somebody who's had like eight lessons given to you by your wife. Why? Mm, well, the trainer was there, but yeah. Well, was... you had a couple with the trainer, and then the trainer had to leave. Yeah, and then I, I kind of practiced with you for a little while. But yeah, yeah, I just did to you what I did to the lesson students and how'd you go around? It it was not complicated because I only yeah. taught children. I never really advanced beyond uh, a trot and, you know, I I mostly just did it so that I would understand kind of the basics of riding. Yeah, because you, this is a peek into our marriage and the level of support I received from Scooter. Uh, he would show up and watch all my riding lessons if you're not a horse girl. Uh, you probably don't know this, but um, husbands of horsewomen are notoriously checked out because it's something that takes so much time. And very few husbands show up and watch their lessons. So Scooter gained a reputation for being a phenomenal husband around the barn. Mm-hmm. I am a phenomenal husband. You are. But yeah, you're not terrible at riding. Thank you. You have you have a, a bit of a natural balance. Thank you. You're welcome. Being balanced is the most important part, I think. Balance is very important to all sports, but especially the sport, we have to stay on the back of a moving animal. Yes. Well, and you and I were talking about this, about sort of, and so it's impressive that your balance is as good as it is. Um, when you are balancing in most sports, you're balancing your weight forward a little bit because you're you're doing you're trying to move forward and advance forward but with a horse and with equestrian sports you want your balance farther back you're balancing it back because your horse is going forward so if your horse stops suddenly if your weight is back then when you inevitably stop uh you know like just basic laws of physics and um an object in motion stays in motion. If your weight is back, you don't go over the shoulder. You might just go forward and be centered. Mm-hmm. Um, so because Scooter played sports that were not like equestrian sports, um, his balance is a little bit more forward. So the fact that he, he has the balance on a horse to keep his weight back is pretty good. A lot of people don't have that intuitively. I'll stop gushing over how how good you are at um, beginner horseback riding. By all means, gush as long as you want. I'm a very talented person. I don't know if you guys (laughs) know this, but I have a doctor-confirmed grade-A scrotum. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, Thank you all for joining us tonight. Uh, As always, I will never apologize, and I don't need to. I have a grade-A scrotum. And this one is for... The himbos, the bimbos, and the thembos. 
I hope you all have either a real or metaphorical grade A scrotum. <laughs>